Um, let us welcome Dr. Queen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, so thank you very much, Sister Felicia. Amen. God bless you. Okay, so now shall we have reflection from last week, please? Okay, I'll start with the reflection. I didn't get much, but I'll start with um, the little bit that I got. All right. I wrote down. Okay, um, you said unconfessing is a hindrance to intercessory prayer. And if you are a believer, it is important to confess our sins and plead for forgiveness. You mentioned Reuben. You said he was a powerful intercessor for Joseph, but he falls short of God because of an unconfessed sin. And the unconfessed sin was lack of self-control, fornication, and sexual perversion. You said he had an affair with his father concubine. And you explained that there's a lot of times people are out there, they are gifted, but because they carry certain gifts, they don't want to humble themselves and surrender fully to Christ. And because of that, they walk in certain type of sins. You also mentioned that a lot of people are building church because they had a disagreement with pastors. But the Bible also talks about being prideful and this and having said so when we have a disagreement, we need to respect the word of God because Jesus came on earth and he taught us about discipline. And his blood that he shed washes our sin if we will just confess our sin instead of trying to, you know, have favor with the world and with men. He also mentioned that Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. He was an intercessor, but he struggled with sexual perversion and lust. He told his dad that he was ready to do a sacrifice and stand in the gap of Benjamin. But before Jacob departed from the earth, Jacob cursed Reuben. Reuben was cursed because he couldn't control his weakness. And not only that, he didn't confess his sin. He didn't repent. Then you began to say that you receive a word from the Lord about being sincere. And if we would make a vow to someone, we need to be sincere. We must not make, don't make because somebody come and tell a lie about, about someone else to cause you to be insincere with the person that you made a vow. Then you said that um, Reuben wasn't an uh, intercessor, but he lost his place because he lied about Joseph being dead when Joseph was sold into slavery. Also, because he was insincere, that caused a curse upon him. And you said that we should learn from this situation and be careful what we compromise and lie about because it can turn into a curse 
He said the second barn was Simon. He was cursed because of anger and lack of self-control. He said the third barn, Levi, was cursed because he fought against the curse. No, you said he was, the third barn was Levi, sorry. He was cursed, but he fought against it. The fourth barn was cursed, but he was restored, which was Judah. Also, Reuben was sincere at some point until insincerity entered into him because he did not speak the truth about Joseph's whereabouts. When the lies enter Reuben, he also opened the door for evil. He was also carrying the blessing of Abraham. But because he knew about Joseph, that he was sold, and he did not speak the truth, he was cursed. That also teaches us that whenever we make a vow with anyone or whenever we're insincere, it will cause a curse upon our lives. And also when we make a covenant with others and we're not sincere, it can also turn into a curse. Amen. 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 Oh, shall we clap for Sister Felicia? That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Another one, please. Another person, please. Dr. Paul, I learned. Um, I, one thing I, I learned is that being firstborn does not necessarily mean firstborn by birth. It could mean that you are firstborn by you are the first one to be saved or the first one to go to college or the first to be married or the first to bear children or first to break through financially. Um, or even the first to be cursed. So firstborn does not necessarily mean firstborn by, by birth. And so um, how we handle whatever comes to us through the firstborn, it will determine what happens in the bloodline to follow. And so um, you show that um, the brothers of Joseph, they all ended up in a sad situation because of what happened to Joseph and that no one was ready to tell the truth about that story. So they were given a chance to make it right, but because everybody kept, kept the truth away from the father, um, it just deepened whatever else happened. So um, sincerity, um, can really cost a lot. And you also make a, an analogy where you say that um, if a child has a disagreement with their parents, they do not go and ask another woman um, to take them into their womb and let them be born again. And so um, if there is a disagreement in, in, in a family or in the church, um, people should endeavor to sort the disagreement instead of carry it with them wherever they go. Um, one thing the Bible says is that 
a rolling stone gathers no marsh. And one thing I've learned is that if you leave church with one issue and you go to another church, you carry that issue with you. So until that issue is sorted out, you will always be carrying that, that situation with you. And so um, we see where sin can lead to different form of um, difficulties. So I learned that firstborn does not necessarily mean by birth. That's one of the things to add on to what Sister Felicia said. I didn't get that last statement. I said that is to add to what Sister Felicia said. Amen. Amen. Shall we shall we thank God for Reverend Athia? Amen. Any other please? number ends with 1419. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing I I learned from Dr. Pauline, uh, one thing that got me was the part about um Judah, where um because of the, the, the because of the spirit of sexual perversion in the family, it came all the way down even to Judah, you know. Because he had, as we know, uh, three sons, Air, Onan, and Shayla. And the first son was very wicked and uh, got slow in the Bible said. The sec and he was married and his wife was given to the second son. Air got slow, slow and his wife was given to Onan. And Onan just wanted her for pleasure. He didn't want uh, you know, her to raise kids or bring up children in his name. He just wanted the fun part of it. So he would spill his semen on the ground and got slim too. And um, it, uh, the wife, the Judah told Tamar that he would, when Sheila was growing, that uh, she should go to her father's house. And when he's growing, then he would give him, she, he would give her Sheila to marry. And he didn't keep his promise. The child was grown and he didn't keep his promise. So she, you know, acted as a prostitute and she went in unto him. But you know, one thing she did that was very astonishing. When she was when he was going in unto her, she said, Give me something to remember, or give me something. And she took, he gave her the signet and the staff. So then there came a point when he was gonna, when he found out that she was pregnant. He wanted to burn her. They wanted to stone her because she did something wrong. She committed a sin. And um, when she came in front of him, when she was brought in front of him, he said, Who's, she asked, whose ring 
and those uh, staff. And he openly repented. And because of his open repentance, you know, he went on not to bear the lineage of Jesus Christ. And that teaches me that there are times that we have sins, you know, clouding or cluttering our lives. And uh, the blessing that we, we are to receive is just hanging over our head because we have not repented, you know, sincerely, or we have not even repented of those things. Sometimes those things are not acknowledged, you know. So you teach us over and over again on uh, forgiveness and repentance, forgiveness and repentance. So that stuck with me because, you know, we see how we could miss out on a lot. We could lose our blessing. We could, we could eject ourselves from our destiny because we do not repent. So when we do something wrong, we should make every conscious effort to repent of our wrongdoing so that God will pardon us. You know, we know Jesus paid it all, but we have to remain in right standing with God for us to receive our blessing. And that's apart from what uh, Sister Felicia said and Reverend Altia said, that's what you know stood out to me from this message. Great, 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 great. Shall we all just appreciate Evangelist Sarah? Okay. Any more? Okay. So thank you all for the reflection. All right, so let's do our declaration. Welcome to the Garden of Wisdom for the Gathering of Wisdom Bible Studies. The Garden of Wisdom, excuse me. The Garden of Wisdom is a place where we discover and dig out the knowledge that leads and directs us on the path of righteousness to fulfill our divine destiny. Please repeat after me. I am here in the garden of wisdom. I am here in the garden of wisdom. To gather wisdom. To gather wisdom. To drink from the well of wisdom. To drink from the well of wisdom. To receive instruction. To receive instruction. Direction. Direction. And guidance. And guidance. According to the plan and purpose. According to the plan and purpose that the Lord has predestined for my life, that the Lord has predestined for my life, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it all in Jesus' name. I receive it all. Amen. 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 All right. So we thank God for. The reflections given. So today we'll continue our teaching. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the information I'm supposed to be given today is not quite complete because I didn't have internet until later today. But then there was a question that was answered, uh, that was asked. Uh, the individual that asked the question is not here. 
nonetheless, uh, that was the only one I was able to prepare for this evening. And uh, the question was, uh, why was Reuben not forgiven after he had sinned uh, against his father? And, uh, you know, I said I was going to do research and I prayed, asking the Lord to show me all week. Why was Reuben not forgiven? Why did Judah receive forgiveness? Why didn't Reuben, the firstborn, receive forgiveness? But Judah, the fourthborn, received forgiveness. So it boils down to the same thing that I have said. And uh, thank God, Felicia repeated it because I had talked about it. And uh, Reverend Athia also mentioned it. That is, and I'm going to repeat this teaching again so that people really put it to their part. Firstborn is not necessarily biological and is not necessarily by age, but it is the first to be given the opportunity to do something in life. The first to start doing something in life. So the firstborn could be firstborn of righteousness or firstborn of wickedness. It could be firstborn of goodness or firstborn of evil. It could be firstborn of excellence or firstborn of failure. Now, when we look at the case of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were firstborn of creation, human creation. And uh, when this sinned, God had given them instruction. And it is, first of all, an instruction that came with blessing. And the blessing is that you, they should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. Now, the serpents that represents witchcraft spirit. Now, the Lord had said that we should not suffer the, 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 the witch to leave, which means that we should not allow people who practice witchcraft to live in our midst? Who are the people that practices witchcraft in our midst? Witchcraft is a spirit that challenges the authority of God. Witchcraft is a spirit that encourages people to stand against authority. Witchcraft is a spirit that does not allow people to obey divine instruction. Do not allow people to obey the word of God. Do not allow people to fear God. People can be in church, but they don't fear God. People can be involved in everything in the church, but they are proud 
their insolence, their ego is greater than themselves. So no matter how nice they may seem to be, they still have the spirit of witchcraft in them. Hopefully they might have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. They could be leaders, they could be ministers, but the witchcraft spirit in them does not allow them to be sincere, to be honest, to be faithful, to follow up with their commitments, to follow up with loyalty, to follow up with sincerity. So when you look at the case of Adam and Eve, these are the first creation of human beings. God blessed them with everything, 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 gold, silver, and also give them authority to occupy the earth and give them the power to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion. Having been blessed so much, what else do they want? Now, Satan came and, and, and compelled them to compete with God. So they were the first to receive blessings and they were the first to compete with God. They were the first to receive the blessings of righteousness. And Satan caused them to become the first to practice witchcraft, to compete with God. So they were evicted from the place of blessing into the place of curse because they competed with God's authority, because they imbibed the nature of Satan. They became proud, insolent. They started competing with who God is. Because of that, they were evicted from the Garden of Eden and they were cast into a place of curse a place of condemnation. And there and there, God promises salvation. So this is one thing we need to learn about the position of the firstborn. As firstborn, anytime a firstborn disobeys God, that firstborn evict themselves from the place of blessing into a place of curse. Anytime a firstborn wants to overpossess because God has blessed them, they have become very, very famous in their blessing. They have become very, very wealthy in their blessing. God will not take away the wealth. He will not take away the gift. 
but they will no longer occupy the, blip, the place of blessing. They will no longer occupy the place that God has set up for them because they have deflected to the place of condemnation. So when you look at Satan, Satan was cast out of heaven because Satan was competing with God, wanted to become God himself. And it is the same spirit Satan exchanged with mankind who were the firstborn of creation. So you can see that they were also cast out of the garden of Eden. I wanted to understand this and to get it very clearly. Um, I'm going to explain that again in another deep dimension. When the firstborn of creation were blessed with the presence of God, with the power to rule, to have dominion, to subdue, to have everything God has created, the fish in the ocean, the birds in the sky, everything that God created, he gave it to the firstborn of creation, mankind, to rule, to have dominion. So God blessed man with wealth from the beginning. Now, when Satan came to mankind and deceived mankind and compelled mankind to compete with Jehovah God, mankind exchanged that blessing with Satan. That is why whenever people get wealth, when they get blessing, when they feel they are doing very well, they start competing with God by exhibiting pride. They start competing with God by disrespecting authority, by disrespecting uh, the laws of God because they feel, well, I have arrived. I have gotten everything I wanted. And so they no longer respect they no longer obey, they no longer submit to authority, and they no longer follow instruction because they have become like Satan. They have prided themselves like Satan. And God will always cast them out of the heavenly blessing, of divine blessing. But God does not necessarily take away what he has given to them. That is why, though Satan was cast out of heaven, Satan still had possession and he still has his possession up to now. What are the possession of Satan? Satan is still worthy. He has wealth. He has blessing. And so those who follow Satan will always get what they want because Satan is so wealthy. 
God did not take wealth from Satan after he cast him out of heaven. And so the same way, God did not take away the wealth of mankind when they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. But there is an important knowledge to gather. The knowledge to gather here is that the firstborn, whether spiritual firstborn, physical firstborn, material firstborn, emotional firstborn, financial firstborn, academic firstborn, or organizational firstborn. Wherever God has planted you as the first, you are a type of a firstborn. But remember that Satan was the firstborn of choir, of the choir in heaven. And when he competed with God and pride himself, he was cast out of heaven, but his wealth was not taken away. The riches, the wealth that God gave to him originally stayed with him. His gift, his talent, his ability were not taken away from him. So his position as firstborn continued in the realms of unrighteousness. So he became the firstborn of ungodliness, the firstborn of evil, the firstborn of witchcraft, the firstborn of satanic exhibition of evil in any aspect. He still has his wealth. He still has his gold. Isaiah described the wealth of Satan. So anytime a firstborn in an organization, in a home, on a job, in the church, in a certain department, in the various departments, misbehaves. Just like God cast out Adam and Eve when they sold themselves out to Satan by believing what Satan said, that they will also be like God. So at that point, they imitated Satan instead of imitating God. They trusted Satan instead of trusting God. So instead of continuing as the firstborn of creation, who were created into righteousness, who were created into the love of God, the fear of God, the wisdom of God, the authority of God to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion. They became the firstborn of witchcraft, the firstborn of pride, the firstborn of evil, so the firstborn of people 
who were cast out of the Garden of Eden for failing to maintain their position as firstborn of righteousness, firstborn of the fear of God. The same way when uh, Ananias and Sapphira sinned among the disciples, Ananias was a, was a minister of God, one of the first ministers that experienced miracles, signs and wonders. When he sinned against God, he was cursed with death immediately. He died physically, spiritually, materially, emotionally, financially, and his wife and they were cast out from the midst of the disciples. Why were they not forgiven? Because they insisted on the lies they told. When the wife came, Sapphira, and Peter was investigating her, she insisted on the lie. There was no evidence of repentance. And so what you must realize is that when the firstborn refuses to repent, then a curse is established either in the family, in the organization, wherever they were planted, and even in the church, at whatever position they were planted. And that is why when Jesus saw, uh, when Jesus was hungry and saw the fig tree, the fig tree was boasting in pride. Oh, I am the fig tree. Oh, I have this, I have that, I have this, I am this, I am that. While it was not bearing fruit, it was rather priding himself of fame, of what he has attained. And Jesus cursed the fig tree because he was purposefully positioned in that place to feed Jesus and the disciples at a certain time. So at this point, the fig tree cannot receive forgiveness because the fig tree has created an established disobedience, has established pride, has established evil, has established unrighteousness. So when you look at the case of the firstborn of, of, of mankind, Adam and Eve. Satan convinced them that they will also be like God. And you know, God has already given them the power, the dominion. And Adam gave names. God brought everything he has created to Adam. And Adam gave names to everything God has created. And Satan saw the wealth, the authority, the nature of God in mankind. And Satan told mankind, you don't have to obey God. You are also a God because you have been able to give names to animals and God respect the names you have given to the animals. So you are also God. So they became 
the first for disobeying God and obeying Satan, they became the firstborn of unrighteousness, the firstborn of witchcraft, the firstborn of evil, the firstborn of disobedience, the firstborn of disrespect for the laws of God, the firstborn of witchcraft. So when you look at the case of Saul, Saul was the firstborn of kings in Israel. As the firstborn of kings in Israel, he listened to his friends. He listened to the people who were exalting him, celebrating him, and did not follow the instruction that was laid down. He did not allow the fear of God to guard him. And he went and did the sacrifice. He leveled himself with Samuel the priest. He did not exhibit the fear of God. He did not follow the instruction. He did not obey the rules and regulations that he has been given as the firstborn of kings, the first king of Israel. So the Lord did not forgive him because he laid down a precedence. So as firstborn, whatever you do becomes a precedence, an example for others to follow. Precedence means that you have established something, either good or bad. You have, you have, you, you have cited an example, good or bad. So that is why when a leader, when uh, uh, a person in authority sinned, they hardly get forgiven because what they have done becomes an example wherever they were planted. So the same way, when you look at the case of Saul, people will say, but Saul said, it's not me, the people. So every now and then you find out that whenever people sing, they look for somebody to blame. They look for somebody to carry the blame of their error. They blame somebody. And when they blame somebody, it means that they are showing pride. And that pride is an example of witchcraft. So a lot of times when people are progressing in life and they don't show example of repentance, because one thing is that there are three laws to forgiveness. The first one is you must identify what you have done wrong and confess it. When you go around telling people your side of the story and you don't tell the truth about what actually happened is a sample of competing with the loss of God and is an example of witchcraft because by saying things and convincing people to sympathize with you, you are telling the person that you are like God, you are making it, you are prospering. Don't forget, 
when Satan sinned against God, though God cast him out of heaven, God did not take away the prosperity that he has already given to him. The gifts of singing, the gifts of prospering, the gifts, the abilities were not taken away, but he was cast out of heaven. The same way when Adam and Eve believed in Satan instead of believing God, they trusted Satan instead of trusting God. They, 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 fear, they felt bigger than God. They started competing with the authority of God, with who God is. After all, they have named the animals and the animals respond to their names. So pride has entered them. God cast them out of the Garden of Eden, but God did not take away the blessings of authority that he has given to them. So also today, a witch gives birth to a child, call the child by a name, and that is the name the child will bear. So despite the wickedness of people, despite the wickedness of sin, God does not take away the giftings he has given to us. That is why when uh, up to date, people of evil and wickedness will go into a church, cuts away all the gifted people in church, knowledgeable people in church, people who are very, who are needed in church. God has established them the people of the world will come and take them out of church. They will use money to lure them. They will use glitteries to lure them. God doesn't take away their gift. They go to wherever they are taken to and they use the gift to glorify Satan. They use the gift to practice witchcraft against God. They use their gift to accuse the church to accuse ministers of God, to accuse the blessings of God. So today we see that because the first person to do it was not punished or they were punished by being evicted, but they still didn't submit. And because of lack of submission, you find out that there is continuation of evil continuation of evil, continuation of evil, because the firstborn in a certain category, the firstborn of righteousness sinned. And sometimes they are not willing. They just want to say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. They are not really willing to change. And the first thing is confession is identifying the fact that you have done something wrong. There are various types of sin that you have to repent for. The loss of God must be recognized and identified. That is the sin against the loss of God. That is transgression. We must also identify the sin of iniquity where we, 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 we rehearse the evil we want to do, the wrong we want to do, we talk it among friends, we plan it, and we say it repeatedly. 
and all our friends will repeat it along with us. Or our children, our cliques, the group we belong to, we all rehearse it and we all plan it. That is aiding and abetting on evil, iniquity, purposefully planning it, purposefully rehearsing it. And we all, even if it is 20 of us, we say the same way, the sin of iniquity. God will only forgive it if we confess and change, okay? And the change part is where the repentance is. It's not enough to say, I am sorry, but to change our ways, to show evidence that we are changing. People might say they, they have uh, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they come into our midst, and they are involved, but in actual fact, their character remains the same. The lies they tell remains the same. The pride they exhibit remains the same. Disobedience to authority and the loss of God remains the same. Practicing iniquity, lying, encouraging other people to tell lies remains the same. Trespassing remains the same. So are they actually born again? No. They only, born, they only got born again to please us. They only got born again by confessing so that they can be accepted by the people or by the church or by the fellowship. But deep within them, they are still the same. So when God asks Adam and Eve, the firstborn of creation, the firstborn of righteousness, who told you that you were naked? You can see they started blaming. They started lying. There was no evidence of repentance from deep within. So God cast them out of the garden. But God did not take away the possession he has given to them, the wealth. So they still were occupying the earth. They still had gold. They still had silver. They still had medallion. So these days we see that a rich man or a rich woman in the church is so insolent, proud, disobedient, don't take authority. And sometimes they wouldn't even pay their fight or they will not pay it correctly. And God doesn't kill them. But what we don't realize is that God is no longer in their lives. They are just practicing church attendance. But there is always a judgment on earth before physical death. There is always a judgment on earth. And people will always say, why do bad things happen to good people? We don't realize that they are living a secret life. We don't realize that they have a certain character and behavior in their lives. For instance, uh, during one of my recent trips, 
there was somebody that I knew in the church who was very wealthy. It's one of the people, he, he, he was, he was he's still an employer. But you know what? If any message that is preached seems to affect him, instead of repenting, instead of seeing that teaching as conviction of the Holy Spirit for him to repent, he will not come to church for some time. The pastor will beg, the pastor will call, the pastor will practically go to his house and kneel down and beg him before he will return to church. And when he returns to church, he will come late. He will not respond to anything. The announcement, he will say he didn't hear. He, he you know, insolent. He became a god. And even people in the church will start blaming the minister for preaching the message they preach that made this rich man uncomfortable. I didn't know. And I taught, of course, I've been teaching this year on fruitfulness. Uh, on, 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 uh, the topic is fruitfulness, multiplication, replenishment, and all that. And then, you know, with vitals and so on. After the, uh, and then after the teaching, I allowed questions to be asked. And people asked certain questions. I didn't know that it related to somebody. I thought they were asking questions directly from their own experience. Yeah, it's actually, that, should, that is it. After the church, somebody came to me and said, do I know why the rich man was not in church? Mm -hmm. I said, no. And the person looked at me and laughed. I said, why? He said, the last time you were here, you taught about correction and salvation. And that man got angry. The pastor had to go to him and beg him and beg him to return to church. Since he returned, he has not been given offering. If he will give, he will only give $1. He has stopped paying tithe and all that. And uh, the reason why the pastor brought you back is people started dying, all the people who supported him started dying, physical death in the church. And those who were wise begged the pastor and said, go and bring Dr. Pauline to come and stop the spirit of death from taking the people in the church because of this man, they supported him. They rebelled against the pastor and the church. They all stopped paying their tithe. They all stopped giving offering. They would not even attend church service. They are always absent. If they will come, they will come late. And when they come, pastor is shaking. And pastor is afraid to say anything. So anything pastor has to say, he will let somebody else say it. 
and the number of the church is going down. And once again, I did not know. And now I came to teach on fruitfulness again. And so people were asking questions. So at the end of the whole thing, the pastor came to me and said, Dr. Polly, you are a true woman of God. He said, you don't know what is happening in the church. You taught it the first time, they got angry. You came again and you taught again. He said, the teaching is very, very consistent. He said, we have been sitting down, examining every teaching you gave. He said, your teaching does not change. It is very, very consistent with the Bible. He said, we brought a man of God, thinking that that man of God will come and, and, uh, and, and nullify the things we teach. The man of God said, he listened to one of the, of the teachings and mentioned your name because people sent him the teachings. Mm. He mentioned your name and also he bought the books because we were teaching from the books and with Bible references. And the person saw all this and the person said, you guys must be careful. Don't lift your finger against that woman of God. Otherwise you will have catastrophe. And all the people that criticize about four or five of them are dead. I am not saying this to books. I am saying this to one us that if you are a firstborn in a certain category in your life and you raise your finger against the truth, it can cost you your life. If mercy, if mercy does not prevail against judgment. So firstborn is very important. Adam and Eve were not spared. Saul was not spared. And that was why Reuben was not spared. Reuben was not spared because he was the firstborn. Excuse me, I have to change my location in order to get internet. So just you know, allow me a few minutes to change my location. <laughs> so when it comes to uh, dealing with God, we must be ready and willing to confess our sins, sins of transgression against the Lord of God, sins of iniquity where we plan, we purpose, because when we deliberately purpose is aiding and abetting evil. And then the sin of uh, uh, trespass, 
especially when it has to do with offering. We must be very, very careful with offering. And that rich man I learned is very sick now because he was the first to become great in that church. He was the first to be given good offerings, supporting things financially. And he started giving $1 as offering, $1 for, for his tithe. When he is making million, an employer giving $1 for, for, for five. Now he's very sick. And the possibility of his survival is very slim. So this is where we have to know that God punishes evil. We cannot take God for granted. That is why Robin could not get abstention because he was the firstborn of Abrahamic blessing in Jacob. The firstborn out of 12 children. And we didn't see even an evidence of his repentance. We didn't see evidence of his repentance. So repentance must come with evidence, submission, humility, the fear of God. You can't just say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. That is why we are teaching the truth. I remembered last year, around the same time, I was here in Africa and the Lord tell me, he said, people are not sincere in the church, not only overcoming house, everywhere. He said, people are not sincere. I should go and teach sincerity. Because insincerity means there is lack of the fear of God. It means there is lack of understanding the word of God. It means there is lack of studying the truth. It is lack of accepting the truth. It is lack of sincere repentance. It is lack of pride. It is lack of, it is lack of the knowledge of humility. And it is evidence of pride. And pride comes from Satan. Satan is the father of pride and the father of lies. That is the reason Reuben could not get forgiveness. Because the way God has made it, if you are a matrix in an organization, in a, in a church, in a business, whatever you do as a leader, as a firstborn of righteousness, you must be careful that it does not reverse to become the firstborn of evil, the firstborn of disobedience, the firstborn of disrespectfulness, the firstborn of witchcraft. Disobedience is a spirit of witchcraft. Disrespectfulness is a spirit of witchcraft. And they show that you are competing with the standard authority that God has laid down. You are bigger than the authority God has laid down. You are bigger than the, the, the knowledge of God. So you, 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 you kind of uh, snob the knowledge of God, the purpose of God. You feel more important than other people. So 
the first person to do something in an organization stand to be punished unless they show true evidence of repentance. But where their sin attract followers, whereby other people start supporting them, other people start doing what they did, other people start thinking that, oh, because this person is not there, we can't do it, that will outrightly be punished. God may not take away your, your wealth, will not take away your car, will not take away your house, will not take away your children. But if they multiply in that sin, they might face a kind of judgment that may take them off the earth, that may erase them. And you can see that after the sin of Saul, when God will give the children, the, the, the children of uh, 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 Benjamin, the Benjamin, another chance in the foreign land. You can see that Haman was determined that all the Jews would be, would be, would be killed, annihilated, eliminated from the earth. But Esther called a fast of repentance. So the fast of repentance was what saved the Jews. So you can see that the sin of Saul followed them everywhere they went to until Esther and Mordecai repented openly, not secretly, openly. So secret repentance don't help because the followers of evil would not know that you have repented. There have to be open display just like Judah did open display of repentance when he sinned against Tamar. Open, openly confess his sins. So secret sin and secret repentance don't work. When David sinned, though the Lord has said, David is a man of my own heart the apple of my eyes. When he sinned, the Lord gave him open punishment. The Lord punished him openly. And he confessed openly and received forgiveness openly. So this is where we have to understand that Sins to be punished, especially if you are the first person to do it. So blaming somebody does not solve it. Open repentance. Open repentance. That is why in a lot of major churches, Methodist church, Presbyterian, Catholic, and so on, when somebody sins, they give you open punishment. You sit at the back of the church, either for three months, depending on what kind of sin, it could be three weeks, it could be three months, it could be three years, depending on the kind of sin, until there is evidence of repentance. You cannot be allowed to perform the duty. You cannot be allowed to touch anything. You cannot be allowed to come close to the altar because your sin becomes generational curse upon the people, generational iniquity. So Reuben's sin, 
became generational iniquity. So you can see that Judah also performed the same sin after many years. And that is where his children also were involved. So this is what we must realize that the sin of the firstborn must be confessed openly and treated openly, cannot be hidden. So today, these days, people will even put you on Facebook and be discussing you because you corrected somebody in church. Oh no, no matter what they do on Facebook, God is dealing with people. God is dealing with people. And we don't know their suffering. We don't know their challenges. Facebook is not ruled by God. Facebook is ruled by human beings. So whatever people see on Facebook, whether true or false, they are either firstborn of evil or firstborn of good, firstborn of righteousness or the firstborn of godliness. So what kind of firstborn are we? Let's bow down our heads before we and pray for ourselves before we ask questions. Everybody pray for yourself. What kind of firstborn are you? Are you a firstborn of righteousness? In what way? Or you are a firstborn of ungodliness? In what way? We all have our weaknesses, our challenges, our difficulties. But all the Lord is saying is, if we sin and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. But how do we confess our sins? We want to confess the sin secretly when we sin openly. When our sin is affecting other people, it's attracting other people to do the same. You are the first to disrespect the church openly. You have laid down a precedence, generational iniquity. How many people else are going to do it? How do we correct it again? And when we are teaching, people are not coming on because they don't want to hear it. They take it more personal than seeing that God is giving them the opportunity to repent. The Holy Spirit is convicting them to repent. How do you treat sin? How do you treat offense? False accusation is a major thing. To falsely accuse, to lie. And that was the problem also with Reuben. He was an intercessor, but at the same time, he was a liar. He was an intercessor. At the same time, he was aiding and abetting. He was an intercessor, yet he was keeping secret sin. That's affected many generations, many generations, many generations. Father, today we bring ourselves before your throne that you have given us the opportunity to understand the fact that we need to learn and practice confession of sin. We need to repent with evidence of change 
so that we can receive forgiveness. Because where there is no remission of sin, there is no forgiveness. We have to remit the sin by doing away with the sin because Jesus has paid the price for us. All he needs from us is to openly repent and make an open change in our character, behavior, and attitude so that we can receive forgiveness. Father, give us this knowledge. Give us the boldness to confront sin openly instead of aiding and abetting sin, instead of supporting sin, instead of fighting the truth. Help us, O oh God. Help us, O oh God, to break away from sin totally and cause the purpose of salvation to be manifested in our life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody unmute yourself. Everybody unmute yourself. Okay, it's time for interaction. You either ask a question or do you do a reflection? Question or reflection. Everybody unmute yourself. Question or reflection, please. No, Dr. Pauline, as you were talking, I remembered Moses and you were saying that firstborn is not necessarily by birth. Um, Moses was chosen by God to, to go and deliver the, the people of Israel. And yet still after, after God gave him the assignment, God was about to kill him. And I, I, when I read it, I couldn't understand why. But then I was saying, God, you just gave this man an assignment and you meet him by the way and was ready to kill him. And what hadn't it been for the wisdom of his wife, he would have died. And that was because he, he overlooked one command of God where God says that the male must be circumcised and his son was not circumcised because his wife family did not believe in circumcision and was about to pay the price for that so um i can understand um, the, the the detriment of unconscious in the firstborn i i can understand i, I was just brought to i just remembered moses in the midst Thank you. Thank you for that contribution. You see, Moses has, was given power, authority, and everything. But because of one, not two sins, one, one mistake, one error becomes a generational curse. So God eliminates sin that would destroy his purpose and his plan for his children. Thank you very much. Shall we all thank God for that uh, contribution? Amen. Who else? Question or 
reflection, please. Dr. Pauline? Yes, ma'am. Um, my question is, say if you did a sin, like you, um, you broke the laws of, of God, and um, you did a sin, but you get punished for it, even though you repent, you repent, you repent of your sins. And even though the Bible says that if we confess our sin, um, you know, we'll get forgiveness of it if we confess it generally from our heart. But the punishment is still there. What could be the cause of that? Okay, it depends on how you confess. You know, uh, the Catholics do something that is very good, which Pentecostal churches have ignored. When you sing, you are not a high priest. You don't have the authority of the high priest. You have to go to a high priest. Who is your high priest? Your pastor. A priest is somebody who stands in the gap, who provides your covering. So, the church you go to, the pastor is your covering. You have to go and confess. People want to be compelled to confess. And sometimes they'll say, oh, they have forgotten. They can't remember. But when they go to their friends, they remember what to say. But when they come to the minister of God, they forget which brings them to insincerity. So it is very important that whatever the sin is, you have to be ready to say exactly what you did wrong. And as soon as you say exactly what you did wrong, the sin will be uprooted because you cannot uproot, you cannot cut off a branch and say you have removed the, 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 the roots from the ground. The branch is different from the roots from the ground. Plucking the leaves is not the same as cutting off a branch. Cutting off a branch is not the same as uprooting the tree from the roots where it is planted. And that is what is very important with confession. Don't assume that the minister knows what you have done wrong. No, say it exactly how it happened. And when you say, oh, I don't remember, hello. But when you want to tell your friends, you remember. But when it's God, you forget. So that is where the forgiveness doesn't take place. And that is where the blood of Jesus cannot erase. You go to a medical doctor, you're having headache. You can't say you're having back, backache. You tell the medical doctor exactly what is happening to you. And the medical doctor is able to give you the exact medication that applies to the pain or the sickness. Have I, do you understand? Have I answered you? Yes, kind of. 
it's just it's just that you know sometimes I just feel like even though you know I would repent of certain sins I still feel like you know things are still there so that's just only it but um yeah okay so put yourself together if possible take a pen and paper write down the things that are troubling you because of the wrongs uh, the, the wrongs that you have done write down the wrongs you have done and then pray for yourself that you should be truthful okay because you see telling the truth is very important jesus is the truth so the way and the life i'm reporting in the pulpit satan is the lie the father of lies deception and destruction he comes to steal to kill and to destroy why these three things still kill and destroy why jesus is the is the way the truth and the life three three so you either tell the truth so that you are shown the way and then your life will be restored to you. But once you lie, the consequences will always be there. So write down what the problem is, what you have done wrong, what you are suffering, and then pray for yourself that when you get to the, to the priest, you will tell the whole story, nothing but the truth. And as you are telling it, I have seen it, it's always happened. As people are confessing the truth, even without laying hand, you will see that spirit leaving them and getting out of their body. But as long as they are not telling the truth, Satan holds them down. So that is what I was saying. That is why we need people form to feel. And people will say, oh, I don't want to write it. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. When you say it's too much, you cannot be forced to say what you don't want to say. Because when you compel people to say the truth, they go back That's always forcing people to do this and do that, to do that. They don't realize that Satan is a liar, is the deceptor who don't allow the people to speak the truth. And people who are not there will be supporting you and they'll be supporting you, aiding and abetting you. Meanwhile, your life is in danger. So I will encourage you that write down, look for an exercise book. When you come and confess and we finish, as the Lord leaves, we set it on fire so that you will not have that notebook for somebody to use it against you. That's what I will say. We use it to put it on the pulpit. Yes. Thank you, Mama. Are you satisfied now? Yes, Dr. Foreman. Thank you. Okay, thank you, too. Yeah. Any other, please? Dr. Foreman, I have yes. a question. Okay. Um, what if you have committed, if the sin is like before you become a Christian? It doesn't matter. Sin is sin. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 
and I'll give you an instance. Um, yeah. uh, was it yesterday? This time that I'm just here, it happened that uh, a lady uh, wanted wealth and mm. uh, went to consult those who give power and so on. They told her to take her own baby and put mm. it in a mortar, chop it into pieces and pound it. They will use it to make soap, drink, every kind of thing for her so that she can get wealth. And she's a church woman. Oh, and she did it. Oh. Yes, she got the wealth. But everywhere she goes, she hears the baby crying. Mm -mm. At night, she hears the baby crying. Everywhere she goes, she hears the baby crying. Until the day she confessed. She said the child was lost. Mm. And now she confessed. As she confessed, she got her deliverance. No matter what sin it is, it could be small, very, very tiny. Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, a mustard seed is like a sand. It's like a pebble of like a sand. A pebble of a sand. Jesus said, your faith said, must be, your faith as, must be as, as small as that. So thinking that, oh, it's just something small. No. Whether it happened before you became born again or not. I have seen a case where I'm ministering to people who caused abortion when they were very young. And the Lord shows me. They'll say, oh, that was a long time ago. I wasn't a Christian. But it's showing up. It's showing up. That that is where, that is where the hindrance is. That's the root. <laughs> yeah. A lady used to be prostitute. She was married and would be sleeping with the husband's friends and so on and so forth so that they can give her money to buy whatever she wants. And thank God. For me, I will see it. The fact that I don't say it doesn't mean I, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I told her, I said, you were once a prostitute and you have not, I said, now you are in church. You are still prostituting. She said, oh, but when she needs money, uh, I said, prostitution is selling yourself to make money. I said, unless you confess, all those sicknesses will keep bothering you. And you'll be tormented. You can't sleep in the night. A woman has a serious back pain, no matter what they have done, surgery. And she called me. The Lord said she slept with somebody's husband. And the woman cursed her. 
So that pain cannot be taken away unless she's really ready to confess. You touch somebody's husband, you're in trouble. You touch somebody's wife, you're in trouble. Like Reuben. So there are certain sins, no matter what the sins are, you have to confess it. Black and white. Black and white. People are tormented. They feel like they are going mad. I tell people, for me, if you lie against me, I will forgive you. But you will still face the judgment with God. I, Pauline, will forgive you. But you face the judgment with God. You lie against me. And I know people who have lied against me. And I know where they are today. Because I'm not going to defend myself. I will not defend myself that, oh, I didn't say it. I didn't do it. No, I'm not. That's why I will always say, I am a sinner saved by grace. If I sin against you, please come and see me. If it means I have to stand before the church or kneel in the middle of the road to repent, I will do it because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. This is my 45 years in ministry. Today, I met my Sunday school teacher. Oh. How old yes. is he? How old is he? <laughs> I didn't ask him for his age, but he's in his 70s. Okay. He was so happy. We were talking about when I was in Sunday school and whatnot and whatnot and what. And he's so happy to see that one of his students. Pardon? You know, and it was so sweet meeting him today. So sweet. Meeting my Sunday school teacher when I was about 16 years old. I know 14 years old. He couldn't even remember some things. And I remember, wow, you have a good memory. I was able to remind him some of the things he taught me at age 14. You see, it's not my pride and it's not his pride. We were both humble, sharing what he taught me in life. That I am still using that teaching. After 45 years, I am still using the lesson I learned from him as a Sunday school teacher. Damien? Good evening. So that is one thing. When we gather knowledge, what do we do with it? We get angry and we don't practice it. We don't remind ourselves. We don't want to participate in it because we think it is against us. That is conviction of the Holy Spirit. You are either being convicted by the Holy Spirit or you are guilty of what you have done. Even if you are guilty, repent. 
If you are convicted of the Holy Spirit, repent. Because with that confession, there'll be no room for repentance. And repentance must come with evidence of change of character, behavior, and attitude. That is when forgiveness takes place. That is when the blood of Jesus will work and affect you. Amen. I know it's a hard teaching, but the Lord has sent me. I cannot teach my own thing. I have to teach what he told me. He said, if you don't teach salvation, repentance, forgiveness, and teach the people to be sincere, pay for that sin. I don't want to pay for anybody's sin. If a prophet, that is Ezekiel chapter 18, if a prophet does not tell the truth, he says, I'll require the blood of the people from your hand. Hey, no, I don't want to pay for anybody's sin. No, if the prophet does not speak the whole truth, God says, I'll require the blood from your hand. You know what that means? Require the blood. That means you cannot even face it. You cannot even stand in judgment. Before you die, you're already in hell. So that is why it seems the teaching is hard. Everybody, people say, oh, God is giving you a car. It's not a problem. The thief buys a car, steals a car. <laughs> God does not take away your gift. But you pay for the consequences of your sin. So Satan makes people rich. He makes people rich. He gives them whatever they want. But they cannot face them. So the man who, who had millions and was paying tight, one dollar for tight, because he's unhappy with the teaching. Today, he's sick. Who would deliver him from that sickness? His money cannot pay for, for, for the kind of sickness because the doctors cannot find solution to it. The pastor has to bring me to come and teach the church because cliques, people have formed cliques fighting the pastor. Fighting. They are not paying tight. They are giving one dollar. One dollar for tight for a man making millions. And all the people. The pastor prayed for them. They got good jobs. And they are paying one dollar. And some of them are not even giving at all. Hey, you know what the meaning of tithing is? God planted you in Jerusalem. And you are going to be paying, you are going to be giving your tithe to Jericho. No way. That is also a sin on its own. Where did God plant you? Where are you? You can't buy donuts from McDonald's and then go and pay Beggar King. It doesn't happen. If you want to support Beggar King, that is a cheerful giver, but not in your tithing. 
So we have to be sincere and honest. Now he's sick. How can you pay one dollar for that? When you are How is it for you? Insincerity, dishonesty, lies, combination of lies, false accusation, competing with God, witchcraft. I was So that is it. Any other, please? Any other question? Reflection. No more question. We have not done reflection at all. Oh, I was, am I having the right time? Can somebody give us two or three minutes reflection before we go so people will remember? The zoo came late to remember. Unmute yourself, please. Unmute yourselves, please. Everybody has muted themselves. <laughs> Hello. All right. Let's share the grace then. Everybody's on mute now. Okay, let's share the grace. The grace of okay, let's go. The grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thus now and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all God for bless coming. You. Bless you. See you next Tuesday. Good night. Good night. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>